The U.S. Department of State on Tuesday released its annual report on military and security developments involving the People's Republic of China. The report details the steps that China is taking to develop its military and lists four courses of action that the PLA may take to attack Taiwan. The report points out that China has set a goal to accelerate the modernization of its armed forces by 2027, which, if achieved, could make the PLA a more, quote, credible military tool for a Taiwan invasion. Military vessels line the horizon. China hasn't stopped putting pressure on Taiwan, and the whole world continues to watch closely for developments in the Taiwan Strait. The U.S. Department of State on Tuesday released its annual China Military Power Report, which highlights four military courses of action that the PRC may take against Taiwan. The first is an air and maritime blockade, using large-scale missile strikes and possible seizures of Taiwan's offshore islands to try and make Taiwan surrender. The second is limited force or coercive options, in which China could launch cyber and kinetic attacks against Taiwan's political, military and economic infrastructure to induce fear in Taiwan. The third is an air and missile campaign in which the PRC uses precision missile and airstrikes against key targets such as air bases, radar sites and missiles to degrade Taiwan's defenses. The fourth is a full-scale invasion of Taiwan in a complex joint island lining campaign that relies on coordination missions for electronic warfare, logistics, air and naval support. The paper says that if China reaches its military development goals for 2027, it will be more capable of taking action to annex Taiwan. It's like in Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Putin thought that it would take two weeks or just a couple of days to deal with Ukraine. But as we can see now, the conflict has been going on for much longer and is almost reaching the one-year mark. The PLA and China have often said in the past, fight no battle that you're not sure of winning. Meanwhile, former chief of the general staff Li Ximing says that maintaining the status quo forever is impossible, adding that China's one-country, two-systems framework would not be accepted in Taiwan. Li says it is most likely that war would break out between 2027 and 2035. He adds that the U.S. will likely get involved in the same way as in the conflict in Ukraine, not dispatching troops to the area but offering logistics support. Why has Ukraine been able to hold on until now? The biggest reason is that the U.S. has been providing it not just with weapons but with intelligence. Why are we still procuring arms from the U.S.? One of the main reasons for that is that that way there will be the same equipment that the U.S. uses. The expert says that the key to modern warfare is intelligence about the enemy. He says that Taiwan's continued military cooperation with the U.S. is one factor that is deterring a Chinese attack. Student groups and NGOs in Taiwan are organizing rallies and events in support of China's white paper protests. The movement has seen protesters take to the streets in many cities in China, voicing opposition to the government's strict and arbitrarily enforced COVID rules, as well as censorship. Some prominent voices associated with the Chinese Communist Party say the protests are being stoked by external forces. Chinese protesters and internet users have condemned the claims, saying they are fully Chinese.
Near Beijing's Liangma Bridge, a man told the crowd through a megaphone the protest was incited by external anti-China forces. His claim was furiously rejected. Protesters rebutted, saying only internal forces were at play in China. Former editor-in-chief of state media outlet Global Times Hu Xijing wrote on social media that external forces have always existed in China. On the other hand, internal forces are the variables or deciding factors of when issues come to a head and how fast they spread. In other words, he wrote, external forces rally upon internal issues to advance their agendas. Netizens left angry comments on this post, saying things like, the people's voice must be heard. That's right, blame it all on foreign enemies. Thanks to them, we have seen clearly what have always been overlooked, and you don't speak for the people. Across the strait, student representatives from Taiwan, China and Hong Kong, as well as local NGOs, staged their own white paper protest in solidarity with Chinese dissidents. Taiwan is not the same country as China, but national identity aside, on this occasion we do share several very real things, such as freedom, democracy, human rights and human dignity. Many overseas Uyghurs worry that the lockdowns have become a new means for genocide. The CCP is starving many Uyghurs to death in the name of epidemic control. The fire in Urumqi led to 10 deaths according to official figures, but according to overseas Uyghurs, the death toll may be higher. If Xi Jinping resorts to using force, that will lead to a complete collapse of China's economy. Only when the Chinese start leaving China will Xi Jinping reflect on himself. The world watches closely China's white paper revolution, and the Taiwanese are joining in solidarity with protesters across the strait. Following President Tsai Ing-wen's resignation as DPP chair, on Wednesday, Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Qimai, who had been successfully re-elected for another term, assumed the position of the party's acting chair. A major task for Chen is to reflect on the party's big loss at the 2022 local elections. Let's hear from him. We will deeply reflect on this and humbly face public opinion. We wouldn't want a defeat in a battle to lead to a defeat in the whole war. But without thoroughly reflecting on this loss, I don't suppose we could win the people's trust. So in today's standing committee meeting, we've decided committee member Zheng Wenchan will be the leader of a working group. Three major tasks await Chen as new leader of the DPP. Apart from reflecting on the big setback, he will be heading the campaign for the Jai mayoral election on December 18th. He'll also be handling two legislative by-elections on January 18th to fill in the vacancies left by KMT lawmakers who ran in Saturday's local elections. For one of them, the DPP plans to nominate Enoch Wu, who previously lost to Taipei mayor-elect Jiang Wan'an in the 2020 legislative election. By mid-January 2023, the DPP will also hold a by-election for party chair. Chen says he does not intend to run for that race. Taiwan's second-hand car market is thriving like never before, and the global shortage of chips is a big factor. Many new cars are lacking high-tech equipment or are making buyers wait for more than a year for delivery.
but quality used cars are available right away. The market has grown so fast that some used cars are now pricier than new vehicles. This car evaluator first inspects the car's outer appearance, then he lifts it off the ground to check the chassis. As the chip shortage continues, new cars are either facing long delays in delivery or missing all kinds of high-tech accessories. And that's good news for the second-hand market. Some factories are quite unusual. Because of the chip shortage, they might be missing the keyless function, or they're missing the reverse video system, or they've removed some accessories. By comparison, if I can spend less money and get a car with more complete facilities, and maybe even still within its warranty, then why wouldn't I do that? With the chips in short supply, I would sooner trust second-hand cars with the original mechanical principles. If it breaks down, I'm more likely to know why. Car buyers are budgeting carefully these days. Last year, a whopping 800,000 used cars were sold, a number buoyed by the growing demand for cars with good brand value and good quality. A Singaporean used car auction platform has also entered the Taiwanese market with a focus on mid- and high-end luxury vehicles. People are more and more careful with their money and more and more discerning. Living standards are rising too. People like to drive luxury cars. Sometimes, for a certain price, you can find more choice if you look at second-hand cars. We expect to sell 1,500 in three years. The chip shortage has created a boom for the used car industry. On average, the price of used cars has grown by 10%. Some are even more expensive than new cars. Sometimes pre-loved is much better than brand new. The annual Shiling Residence Chrysanthemum Festival has kicked off and will run through December 11th. This year is the 20th anniversary of the festival. To celebrate, organizers have decorated the garden to showcase various types of chrysanthemums and plan several events and activities. Our very own Stephanie Yang takes us in to see some of the highlights. Taipei's largest flower show, the Shilin Residence Chrysanthemum Festival, has entered its 20th year. Throughout the festival, there will be a series of activities and events, including a concert on December 3rd to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the festival. Organizers have set up 15 exhibition areas at the venue, which was once the residence of Chiang Kai-shek and is now open to the public. Many visitors are excited to admire this year's beautiful chrysanthemums and stunning garden designs. We have been visiting since the first year. We live near here in Shilin. I think there are many changes every year. It is great that they have made a flower viewing paradise for everyone. It is worth the trip. The atmosphere of this year's festival is celebratory, and its arrangement is also very nice. It is a garden party, so when you come in, you can see cakes and flowers. I think this year's flowers are beautiful. I come here every year, and they change it every year. I am looking forward to it because even the entrance is nice to take pictures. There are also beautiful sunflowers. Highlights include a delightful 4-meter-tall cake sculpture, 3-meter-tall earth sculpture. This year is the 20th anniversary of the Shilin Residence Chrysanthemum Festival. Our theme is Glamorous Chrysanthemum Festival 20. There are 15 exhibition areas this year, and there are also online and in-person activities. 
We are also holding a relatively large concert this year on December 3rd at 2 p.m. Organizers say that all the chrysanthemums planted in the park are in full bloom. The festival will run through December 11th at the Shilin residence. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Li Yihan in Taipei. Central Bank Governor Yang Jinglong on Wednesday talked about Taiwan's economic prospects for 2023. He says that with unrelenting inflation and the possibility of rising unemployment in the world's major economies, stagflation is likely to settle in around the world. For Taiwan's export-oriented economy, that means big challenges, Yang says. Since March this year, the U.S. Federal Reserve has raised key interest rates by 3.75 percentage points, causing hot money flows to spread. For the new Taiwan dollar, the hikes have resulted in the biggest depreciation in 25 years, from the beginning of the year to now. Are we on the way to stagflation or to long-term stagnation? That's something we have yet to observe. Taiwan is a small open economy. As such, it is very susceptible to international impact. Central Bank Governor Yang Jinlong has compared capital movements to global warming, saying both are hard to predict. Yang says that due to the small size and high openness of Taiwan's economy, prices are easily impacted by international factors. He says inflation in Taiwan for 2023 will stay above the average level during the pandemic. Reasons for this include the central bank's tighter monetary policy and downside risks in economic projections. In addition, long-term structural problems such as Taiwan's aging population, income inequality and excessive saving could continue dragging down the economy even after the pressure from high inflation subsides. That could trigger a return to long-term stagnation characterized by low interest rates, low inflation and low growth rates. If the Fed goes ahead with another hike of 0.5 percentage points in December, that would bring up interest rates to 4.5 percent. That could cause loan interest rates to be adjusted up. I think Taiwan's exports will perhaps face bigger challenges next year. The central bank governor says Taiwan's inflation rate and GDP growth rate will be lower in 2023. As you all know, in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, several metrics went down. If exports don't do well, that would have an impact on the manufacturing sector. If it gets serious, enterprises may have to ask employees to go on unpaid leave or even lay off employees. With stagflation expected to take over the world next year, Taiwan's export-oriented economy is in a tough spot. Analysts say the prospects for next year aren't looking too good. Taiwan's love for fried chicken is not going away. Every year, the fried chicken industry is worth 30 billion NT dollars. Now, a popular fried chicken chain from Taichung has expanded into the greater Taipei area. In an industry as competitive as this one, the rivalry between the stores is intense. Chicken is relieved of feathers and gristle, covered in batter, and then popped into a deep fryer at 170 degrees. The golden skin of this crispy American-style chicken is a hit. It's very tender and juicy because the chicken's fresh and juicy. I want to come back and get it again. I'm a fan of theirs from Taichung. I don't have to go so far now. It's more convenient. This fried chicken chain store has been developing its base in Taichung for four years. Northern Taiwan has a big population and a lot of business potential. 
the chains chosen to stake out a new location in the residential area of Banqiao. But with commodity prices soaring high, the store needs to balance its expenses. They do that with a diverse menu featuring a fried prawn hamburger and a red bean purple rice cake. We remove the fat from the raw chicken and we use very thin batter so it doesn't taste too greasy. We also have a very large selection of snacks. On the one hand, we offer customers lots of choice and on the other hand, we can balance out our expenses. But this nearby store has a different strategy. It began in New Taipei and is sticking to its roots, opening new stores just in the Greater Taipei area. They keep margins thin and rely on high sales volume. Customers are queuing at the door as soon as the pan is sizzling. Another store going for good value for money is a well-known fast food chain that's offering a limited edition fried chicken dish. Every year, Taiwan consumes 200 million chickens. In an industry worth 30 billion NT, competition is fierce. Good news for train travelers. Nine more mobile payment methods are coming for train tickets starting December 1st. The move is hoped to make purchasing tickets more convenient. The new payment methods added include LinePay, JacoPay, GammaPay, PyWallet and EasyWallet. That's in addition to Taiwan Pay, which was added back in September. To purchase a ticket, passengers can simply show a barcode at the counter to complete the payment. Refunds are easier than with credit card purchases, requiring no additional procedures outside the payment system. A high school geography book is making enormous waves. People of the in crowd all have a copy of the new geography handbook from school teacher Hong Mingshen. Hong's hand-drawn maps and illustrations have delighted readers so much that multiple editions of the book were sold out in minutes. Flipping through his notebook, you see rivers and coastlines mapped out vividly. Images and words are interwoven like an art project. Then tectonic plates and ocean currents leap from the page. This hand-drawn book, full of colorful illustrations and highlighting, comes from Xinju geography teacher Hong Mingsheng. The book is basically structured with hand drawings and mind maps. I wanted to bring together the new curriculums of junior high and high school, so it's six years all the way through. Hong has put all six years of geography into his book, along with countless drawings, maps, flowcharts and tables, making the fundamentals as clear as possible. The book has gone viral online, and fans are waiting breathlessly for the release of the next edition. In just 15 minutes, about 1,000 copies were ordered. Some people who didn't manage to get one may have felt a bit sad, and they complained. How come it's even harder to get a hold of than a Mayday ticket? Some junior high administrators from Shinju schools asked me if I could buy one of Mr. Hong's books for their geography teacher. The third edition is sold out, I think. The hand-drawn design has really found popularity, but pirate copies have also appeared online, some selling for three times as much as the original. The pirates claimed their book was drawn by students from Taipei First Girls High School and National Taiwan University. I think it's a bit absurd for them to take my mind maps, attach the name Taipei First Girls High School and National Taiwan University, and then cut the book into two parts and sell them separately for 1,500 NT apiece. Luckily, once the pirated versions were detected, they were removed by stores. 
But the luckiest of all are Hong's own students, who can get a copy of the coveted book without even ordering one, and get taught in person by the best-selling author. Now, if you're an amateur filmmaker, this next story is for you. A filmmaker who is a native of Ringling decided to record the unique culture of his hometown. Amateur documentarian Huang Yuzhen returned to Yunling in middle age to care for his elderly parents. The aquaculture expert first made a name for himself by recording a historic local protest. Now his unique look at Yunling life has attracted an online following from all over the world. Kohu Township Yunling was once almost entirely reliant on one industry, fishing. In 2015, the township office drew up plans to build a crematorium. Locals feared it would destroy the local ecosystem, and thousands turned out in the streets in protest. Among them was Huang Yuchen, who documented the demonstration with these images. I like taking photos. At that time, I saw nobody was reporting our story in Kohu. Things were happening locally that nobody knew about. So whatever I was interested in capturing, I went and took photos and recorded things. The plans for the crematorium were eventually shelved under the weight of local resistance. Uh, Huang now works as a fish farmer in Kohu. More than a decade ago, he came back here to the land where he grew up to work with his father. Two years ago, his father passed away and he took over the fish farm. My dad was already getting older then, so I thought I had better come back to the township and look after my old folks. A lover of photography and a keen member of civil society, Huang likes to take his camera out to record local life in his spare time. He edits small films and posts them online. I do it for free, generally. I'm simply making a record to speak up for Kohu. Huang has many subscribers who like to follow his records of Yunlin life as he posts them. Whether they're living nearby or on the other side of the world doesn't matter. For Huang, Showing off the beauty and reality of his hometown is an end in itself.